So my name is Nate. Um, this is my wife, Sharon, and we've got four girls. Yes, four girls. I could not get a boy. Um, and I'm done. It's an act of God or adoption at this point. Um, so I got four little girls, Annika, who's seven, who's up on the top, Eliza, who I'm holding, uh, who's going to be five this year, Ariella, who's three, and our little baby, Addie, who's about eight months or so. Um, so lots of drama in my house. <laughs> lots of drama in my house. So that's our family. Um, my wife is Sharon um, and over there holding, holding the little baby, and uh, Sharon and I will be celebrating our 10, I can't believe it, 10 years of marriage this year, this June, which is ridiculously crazy. Um, but God has taken us through a very interesting journey uh, from this point. Uh, we both graduated now called the University of Valley Forge back in 2007. Um, Valley Forge, yeah, there we go. All right, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in children's ministries. And uh, from that point forward, we were in a couple of different church ministry options and we traveled around. We did a lot of kids camps and churches and things like that. Uh, we were kind of interns in a couple of different churches as God was transitioning us from one place to another, where we kind of came alongside a church plant or something like that and kind of helped start their kids' ministry to the basic bones and then kind of left it. And then God called us to do something else. Um, and then in 2008, I believe it was, uh, 2009, um, I went to Ashland Theological Seminary, which is just an hour and a half up the road here. I got a master's degree up there as well. Um, and I was able to study. Welcome, ladies. Um, you're fine. There's seats, places. Um, I was able to study. Um, basically, it was a generalized course. I got that Master of Arts in Religion. I was able to kind of study what I wanted to. And my passion is very, his, is very much history and learning and learning from our past. So that way we don't make the same mistakes again. And we can learn to move forward with that. And I wanted to study the religious education of children, starting from the Bible with a Pentecostal viewpoint all the way to the present age. Um, I got all the way up to Martin Luther, and my wife got pregnant with her first child and says, you're done. So I have not been able to pursue that anymore until probably when they're done. Um, and probably, and all of them are in school, I might be able to pursue that. So we've got that as well. Um, and then I was a, so yeah, we did a lot of different traveling stuff. And then um, in 2013, um, God called my wife and I to step out of the kids' ministry realm and plant a coffee house church that we had no idea what we were supposed to do. We just knew God tell us to leave, stop doing what you're doing, and I want you to do this. And, you know, as kids pastors, we teach, and leaders, we teach our kids to be obedient to Jesus, right? No matter what. Right? That means you are obedient to Jesus no matter what, right? That means if you don't listen, if you're not even applying your own message, get off. Right? You don't, you don't, you're not following what you're supposed to be saying. And so... Uh, so we said, okay, we're going to stop. And then from that point forward, God has literally take us, taken us out of the realm of kids' ministry, planted us to open up a coffee shop called Coffee Connections. You can actually have our coffee because we're doing it here at Synergy. Um, we're three years in within the actual business. We started off as a mobile thing. We went around and built relationships in the community of Hilliard and then um, got a coffee bike. We were at Synergy last year with that coffee bike. If anybody was there last year, if you remember that coffee bike, we still have that. And then um, we're doing coffee here. And then this past September, we got a location, an actual coffee shop, right on Main Street of Old Hilliard, right where we really felt like God wanted us to be. And from that point forward, we have, God has really just <laughs> expounded um, a lot of great things within, within the business mindset of what we're trying to do and reaching people through relationship. But what's really cool about it is I'm able to take my kids' ministry and understanding experience and place that right into a, into a secular context. Just imagine what it's like to take the knowledge and experience that you have and put that in a business world to reach families that don't know Jesus. They love it. Why? Because you actually care about their kids. You're providing a space for their kids. So we keep getting comments all the time from various people in the community. Thank you for providing, a, a, finally, a coffee shop that not just roasts their own coffee, but actually has a kid space that actually cares about my family. Yeah, that's us. That's what we're trying to do. We're reaching a whole different demographic. So that's the journey God has us on. That's that new adventure. And this is new to me. So my background is kids' ministry, not business. But God told us to take a step in, of faith and do it anyways. So chances are God might be asking you to take some different steps that are uncomfortable for you. Do it. God's going to take care of you. It's absolutely okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So that's just a brief thing with, uh, about me. So, um, so I'm going to be walking through um, the practical kids' ministry stuff. 
and um, I'm going to have a little different focus on it than the bringing a bunch of, I have a couple things I want to show you, but I'm really going to focus on the discipleship method and bringing that into practical children's ministry about how God has already designed you to be a relational being and how you can make that happen for your kids and allowing watching that to take place as you use different methods. We're just going to change the philosophy of how you think. But um, one of the things that they wanted me to do, can I borrow up someone's pen because I neglected to, thank you very much. Um, what are some questions that you guys struggle with, that you struggle with in kids' ministry that you, that, that's practical in nature? Like resourcing or things you're just, you're sitting there at a desk. Like I just talked to one kids' pastor out in the hallway. I was like, if you had something, anything, what would it be? What are the questions that you keep having all the time that you just wish you had someone to talk to or you wish you had the understanding? What would those things be? We'll take a couple of them. I'll write them down. I think ours is because we're in a little church. Yeah. Okay. Your brain and your like love for the ministry wants to do a lot more than you can afford. Okay. Okay. So how do you funnel that? What do you do? That sort of thing. Okay. Good question. Anybody else? Okay. Yeah. Engage with all those demographics. Yep. It's my family, basically. Yep. Engaging with families and children with special needs and integrating them into the whole church experience. That's a good one. That that is that is a very, very good one. That's very good. Mm. To get the parents to understand that your kid is not listening. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy just won't stay in his chair for more than three seconds. That's my third one, Ariella. <laughs> right there. She will move, 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 move. Anybody else? Any other questions? Good question. Hmm. Anybody else? Well, the thing that we have struggled with, and I think we're making progress, but we could use help, is convincing the adult congregation that the children are not in babysitting, that the children are working, they're doing things now, and they're Mm -hmm. capable of ministering now. Yes. Oh, the children's pastor battle right there. (laughs) Adults showing children are... In ministry. Cool. Not. All right. Anybody else? Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you have a large room or a small? Very large room. Yeah. Yeah, that's always a challenge when you have that room. The kids just see it and like, oh. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. Exactly. Go on. Oh, I can help you with that. Uh, the we when I was at University Valley Forge, I'm going to call it Valley Forge because that's what I'm used to. Um, Dick Gruber, who is the children's who's the children's director there, um, invited my wife and I on when we were both juniors to basically partner with him for the first two year for the last two years of our um, time at Valley Forge and basically be his intern. He was going to mentor us for those two years, with the idea that we take over the church plant that was started out of Danny McNaughton, which is called Spring Valley Community Church, and so we were mobile for those and then we went away and then we got hired back on by Joe Cherry who's now the lead pastor and we were there for a couple years and now they finally just got a location I don't know if they're actually finally moved in or not but we were mobile for years and that was a yeah we're going to talk a lot we're going to talk a lot get be, get friends with a carpenter that's all I'm going to say you want a friend who's a carpenter who knows how to put wheels on boxes your life will be saved your back will be saved anybody else all right last question Mm-hmm. How do we entice and creatively get 
Okay. Volunteer recruitment. Another battle for kids' ministry. Um, uh, two services. All right. Well, some of these I'm going to be able to answer directly from experience or from understanding on, on, on hearing other stories. Some of them I may not be able to answer correctly because I just don't have the know-how or the understandings, but there might be someone in this room that has already handled that topic or already has done reading or has experienced that topic already. So I want you to feel free to downgrade into that or upload, whatever, download, whatever you want to call it, about those ideas. So. Perfect. There you go. Oh, there we go. See? Done. And that's done. Cool. Done. Over. Anybody else teaching a class that I don't need to talk? Okay. <laughs> cool. All right. Awesome. Very good. All right. Cool. Yeah, these are some really good stuff. All right. So we'll try to make some, I'll make some room here at the end, and then we'll, uh, we'll go through that real quick. All right. So like I said, I'm going to start with the philosophy mindset first. And then we'll get into some of the practicality stuff. Um, philosophy is very important to why you do what you do. You talk to any psychologist, anybody out there, they're going to say the reason you do what you do is because in your mind you already have a set pattern, a set behavior, a set goal, something that you want to accomplish, and you filter everything through that, whatever it might be. So your philosophy, why you do what you do is important. If that's in your brain, then anything can filter through that. So I'm going to take the philosophy of a discipleship, more of a relational model. And then from that, if that becomes our top, everything else is going to trickle down. Or in the case of Jesus, if that's our foundation, everything's going to trickle up to that. Okay? So relational. So I'm going to bring in a couple of books here as examples. Um, and I encourage you uh, to get these books. Um, they're really, really good. Um, I, Stacey Petty asked me to... Um, teach uh, the children's ministry class, Practical Kids Ministry, I believe it's called, uh, for the um, Ohio School of Ministry. It's usually in like August or something like that. Um, I did it the last couple of years. She wants me to do it again this year. So I'm using this as the textbook. It's called Relational Children's Ministry. Um, Dan L-O-V-A-G-L-I-A. Relational Children's Ministry. Get this book if you can. Sure, spelled, uh, spelling is L-O-V-A-G-L-I-A. Dan is his first name. It's a really simple read. Um, if you're talking about practical stuff, this is not going to have like the practical. How do you do a puppet or how do you do this or how do you reach a volunteer? This is going to help set a philosophy of why you do what you do. Once you, This idea is very biblically based. It's actually very Jesus-based, as we're going to find out here in a moment. And once you get that in your head, you're going to realize kids' ministry is, oh, wow, we can do it that way? I mean, I don't have to spend hours and hours of preparing and putting things together, and my kids are like, this is boring. <laughs> really? That's possible? Yeah, it is. Through a relational model, that can happen. And that's what I want to bring that into, into focus and actually help you create your own lesson and how do you do that by what God's already been telling you already putting in what God's already made you to be. So this is going to be really fun. It's going to change a lot of things, but it's going to be really fun. So get that book. Another book, um, this uh, is called, uh, the authors are David and Paul Watson. They're a, a father-son team, and it's called uh, Contagious Disciple Making. Contagious Disciple Making. This will kind of give you the idea of discipleship. The first part is going to be more about why you do disciple making and how you can do it. And then the back part is a little bit more practical stuff. These guys, um, they, uh, they have like this global initiative that's going on. And all their experiences are personal, missionary experiences. How do you bring the gospel to people that don't give a rip about God? How? very biblically based, very Jesus based, very simple. If you take the idea and put that in your kids' ministry, your kids are going to start making disciples right in front of your eyes and it's going to be crazy simple, really simple. It's really fun. It's really, really easy. I do it with adults all the time and they, they're like, oh, this is cool. God's talking to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Writing it down. Like I'm walking with a guy that I hired. His name is Connor. One of, one of the stories I like to share right now. Um, 
the guy had a semi-quasi relationship with Jesus, not really following him, not, you know, kind of not entirely sure. Within the past couple of weeks, he, said, he comes to me and he says, Nate, you're so friendly to me. You're so encouraging when I'm working. Well, thank you. And, uh, and I'm like, and he's like, I feel like God's talking to me, but I'm not entirely sure if that's God or not or just my head. Never thought I'd had anybody ask me that question before. I hear anybody else ask that question, but never toward me, especially a, someone who's got a kids' ministry background. And I'm like, well, uh, so what are you doing? So we talk through this stuff, and he's like, I just feel like this, and I'm, so I'm acting on it. And I'm like, interesting. So you're hearing God, and you're doing what he's saying. Huh. And you're not even reading the Bible or going to church. <laughs> interesting. God is doing something in your life. Let's, let's walk through this together. So we're doing a plan that these guys have created and the first thing we did was this past Wednesday, even though we both got the same end result, we both looked at each other in the face and we're like, so what's the thing we need to do this week to live out what we just read in the Bible? And we both realized that we both had past employers, that the ending didn't go very well, and we need to thank them at least for hiring us. Outside of my comfort zone, outside of his comfort zone, but the Bible says, be thankful in everything, so let's go outside of our comfort zone. This guy who's just getting the idea that Jesus is Lord and he can follow him. That's cool. That's really cool. That's life transformation stuff. This happens in kids way faster, way faster. And so we're going to walk through that, and that's really fun. So get this book if you want to. Anyways, so in the Relational Discipleship book, so discipleship. If you spend any brief window of time immersed in media or the retail shopping world, you'll come to appreciate how fast the world is moving. Do we agree? We say kids are growing up too fast, but in fact, they're being exposed to adult realities at younger age. Do you agree? Yes. Okay. Parents live in one reality while their kids navigate another. Yes. Kids pastors, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Big one, right? Okay. So if that's the case, then what do we, then what do we got? It's relatively easy to measure attendance pattern, judge success, how teachers impact information, determine fruitfulness by what kids say they are learning. That's what we do, right? You know, are they coming every week? Are they behaving correctly, right? Are they giving us the information that we're giving them? Yes, that's easy. We can, we can do that. That's, that's simple. Or we can focus on the way children behave or misbehave or whether parents seem pleased. But these are not the best barometers of, grow, of growth and fruitfulness in ministry. How can we tell if the seeds of trust, love, authenticity, and honesty are planted and growing? How can we tell? Attributes such as these must be intentionally sown and cultivated and must clear away any pigments. The most transformational environment and experience built in and upon life-on-life interactions. That is why Children's Ministries has a unique opportunity. You have a unique opportunity to do something really cool. And this is what keeps going on. They can be a fantastic environment for spiritual growth when the context and callus is Christ-centered community. How fun does that sound? Pretty cool, right? This is what you guys get to do. This is what I got. This is what I got to do. But children's ministry leaders are crying out. We created outstanding programs. We taught great information. We saw good behavior. We showed up faithfully. We sent home support. We gave so much. What did we miss? If we want to better understand where we have missed the mark in our discipleship, we must have an honest talk about with those who grew up in our care. So what is he talking about? Well, just right before, I'll finish the quote there in a moment. Right before all this, he, talk, he talks about, and we would all agree, the decline that's happening all across the world as far as followers of Jesus, right? Everyone's nodding their head, right? So we have to ask ourselves the question, if we created all this stuff, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? We have to take an honest look. It's not, it, it hurts, because all the times that I dumped in, all the education, all the thousands of dollars I spent in my education, asking the question, does this really work? Just because it's taught to me, just because I read it in a book, just because, is it true? Does it really work? Especially in the decline that I'm seeing, you have to ask the questions. So this becomes the philosophy mindset. Change. Here it is. David Kinnaman's research in You Lost Me and Chip Clark's insights in Today's Teens and Her 2.0 both make a similar point here. We are missing the transformation power of power of relationship. We've lost it. It's gone. According to Dave Kinnaman, the relational element is so strong because relationship is central to disciple-making. And as we said, the dropout problem is at its core a discipleship-making problem. Why is he making that sort of claim, that it's a discipleship-making problem? Why would he jump there? Go ahead. Any thoughts? 
relationship to religion. Teach stuff, not people. Again, this applies to kids' ministry. We're thinking kids' pastors here, okay? Why, why, why did he make the idea that at its core it's a disciple-making problem? Why is that it? Why is that the core? What did Jesus tell us our mandate was? Go and make disciples. There, there's only one, the guy that, Daniel McNaughton, who planted Spring Valley Community Church, he did a lot of work on this, and then from that, other places have done it as well. There's only really one action in that Matthew 28, 19, 20, um, 19 through 20. It's make disciples. That's the only action. In our English language, we have go, make disciples, baptizing. Those are all things that add on to making disciples. Making disciples is the imperative. Does anybody know how to make disciples? Build relationships. Yeah, yeah, make disciples. Can I ask you, how do you know you've been discipled? If this is what Jesus told us to do, can you answer me the question, how do you know you've been discipled? Okay, good. Yep, hearing and doing. You have, like, the people that you look up to mm-hmm. that are Christians that mm-hmm. have not only taught you in your life, but they've taught you in your life. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Discipleship. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one. So how do we relate this to kids' ministry? How do we do that? So we've got to figure out what is the definition of discipleship. So we're going to play a little game. Now, in these next couple of parts, it's going to get a little, little fun. It's also going to get a little practical, too. So you can use what I'm about to do in your kids' ministry. So I'm doing a dual purpose right now. So I've got three different definitions for you. And you're going to pick which one you think is the definition of discipleship. The true definition of discipleship, all right? So if you think it's option A, B, or C, I want you to stand unashamed, proud. This is the option. Why I don't be like, I'm the only one, all right? Be proud, all right? If you're an introvert like me, you probably won't do what I just told you to do. Yes, I'm an introvert. Yes, I am. All right, option one, would this be a great definition of discipleship? Bring people to Jesus using a high-impact and leadership-led worship experience that includes the latest models effective for fast-growing fruit. You don't stand up, just I'm going to show you all three. I want you to think through that, okay? Is that discipleship? Next, option two, to help people encounter God through various methods and models that direct focus to the church building, its various programs, and outreach works. Is that the definition of discipleship? Now, you're going to be like, well, wait a minute, Nate. These are all sound good. You're right, they're good. But what's the true definition of discipleship? Option three, to walk a journey with people to hear and do what Jesus has told them with emphasis on scripture-led invitation and challenging. All right, so there's the three. Look at them for a second. If you think option one is the definition, stand up nice and proud. Oh, come on, no one? (laughs) Option two. You think option two is the definition of discipleship. You'd be like, yeah, that's totally the definition of discipleship. Okay, good. We got someone. Everyone give her a hand. Good job. Stay standing. Stay standing. Wonderful. Good job. All right, we got someone. All right, good. Option three. All right, sit down. Very good. All right. Good. Why did you pick option two? Rebel. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep, exactly. Good. Yeah, this is kind of a little hard. Answer three is obviously the, that, that is the right one. We want people to hear and do what Jesus tells them with emphasis on scripture, invitation, and challenge. But option one and two, they, those, are, those are good things to have. All right? We want, we want experiences. We want different models. We want all that stuff. But if we go down to the biblical definition of discipleship, the first two are not there. The biblical definition is not even there. So when it comes to discipling kids, you're walking a journey with these children. You want them to hear from Jesus, and you want them to do what Jesus is telling them to do using the scripture, right? That's what we want. We want them to hear from God and do what he tells, right? That's what we want, right? So if that's the case, that becomes the definition of discipleship. All right, sword drill. Does anybody know where sword drill is? 
Yay! All right, get out your either mobile phones or your physical Bibles. We're going to have a sword drill. The winner of the sword drill gets my Connection Blend coffee, a blend between Sumatra and Ethiopian Harar on a medium roast. It's yummy. It's good. So if you don't like coffee, don't turn your Bible on, okay? All right, and I roasted this the other day, so it's so fresh. It's so yummy. All right. All right, so how the sword drill works, I'm going to press down. Um, now, you can do this in your kids' ministries using, using this model as well, helping them to teach different books in the Bible and that sort of thing. It's helpful. I'm going to press down. If you get, like, once you open it up or find it in your Bible, I want you to say the first word in that passage. Stand up and say it really loud, all right? Really loud. Um, I need someone to help me, though, because I'm going to be looking one direction and someone's going to be looking. Okay, wonderful. Stand up. Thank you. Awesome. All right, so you're helping, we're going to help each other figure out who stands up first in case we have like an all-out brawl on, on I get first, okay? All right, all right, you ready? All right, you ready? Sword, ready? And Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Hey, wait, 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 wait. I didn't say go. Oh, yeah, what? Yeah, Matthew 28, 19, 20. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, and go. Oh, did you get anybody faster than, than this guy right there? All right, all right. I think he cheated, but that's, well. All right, all right. Yeah, true. What? Oh, okay. All right, let's do it again. Everyone just, just reset your Bible apps, shut your Bibles, get your finger out of it, get the bookmark out of it. Yeah, everything. Good. Balance on your, are you ready? Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, and Go. All right, come on, read it. Stand up loud. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son. There's no water bottle up there. What is that? Good, thank you. Come on down. Come on down. You're a finalist. Gary, we'll give her a hand. Wonderful. Good job. All right. Sorry, I got distracted. There's a water bottle up there. I'm like, why is there a water bottle up there? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. What, I don't want to know what's in there. I just don't want to know what's up there. It's kind of gross. All right. All right. We got one more. So we got one more to do. All right. And then this will be it. So whoever wins this one will battle her in the finale for the coffee. Okay. All right. Ready? And the next one. Do not search it. Do not open your Bible until I say go. Matthew 7, 24. Matthew 7, 24. Don't search anything until I say go. Keep your finger. I saw you. Matthew 7, 20. No, no, no. I, no, I didn't say go. Yeah. You reset everything. Don't type anything. Don't do anything. Clear your search history. All right. Matthew 7, 24. Matthew 7, 24. And go. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, okay. Go ahead, read it. Mm. So, good job. Come on down. Give her a hand. Give her a hand. Very good. Very good. Very good. Awesome. Are you two right here in the front? Got two ladies. Men, you disappoint me. All right. Ladies, right here. The guys won everything in the last session. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Okay. So, girl power. Here we go. All right. So, Matthew 7, 20. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Leah. Um, Matthew 7, 24. All those who hear my words and do do what I say is like a wise man. This is what we want our children to do. Hearing from Jesus and doing what he says. That's discipleship. All right, last one. You ready? Oh, see, I see what you're doing. You got the whole books of the Bible up in here. You can't do that. Because okay. you can't do that. Clear it out. Clear it out. Yeah. What yeah. do you want me to do? Go home? Go, yeah, go to the home button. There you go. Go to the home button. Just cheating. Ah, you guys are cheaters. All right, you're home in your Bible? You good? Okay, ready? All right. The last one. Deuteronomy. Don't do anything yet until I say go. Deuteronomy. Yes, Old Testament. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And go. Old Testament. It's in the beginning. Very good. Wonderful. Very good. Thank you very much for seeing. Have a good job. My heart. No, no, you're not going there. You got to read it. You got to read it. Okay. All right. All right. Hear, o Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You 
shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep going, yeah. Yep, These words, oh yeah, which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Awesome. Very good. Give her a hand. Congratulations. Good job. Very good. Congrats the coffee. That's yours. You're welcome. All right. So Deuteronomy 6. Has anybody heard that one before? Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Yeah, pretty similar. Yeah. So the essence of the passage is our God, our God is one. Now, parents, teach it to your kids. Notice it didn't say children's pastors teach it to your kids. Oh, there goes your job. Bummer. No, 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 no. No, that's not all. Your job as a kid's pastor is to come along the parent and help them with their parent. That's your job. Your job is not to take over the religious upbringing of that child, right? That's not your job. You get like this much time, the parent gets this much time. That's not fair, okay? So how do you take this much time and make it this much time in a kid's life? How do you do that? When your job is supposed to come alongside of the parent and help them teach their children about God and to do what he says, and to imply and to instill upon their lives what it means to actually follow Jesus. What does that look like for sure, and how do you actually do that? Um, so you've got to learn appropriate techniques to do that. Um, something my wife does, um, because we have such a wide range of girls, different age brackets. My oldest one just finished reading her first chapter book about a month ago. My, my second one is about to go to kindergarten this fall. And my, my third one, Ariella, acts like she's the queen of the world. She can talk to no one. She'll talk to everybody. She's brilliant, brilliant mind. So my wife has decided to do this. And this is fun. You can do this in your kids' church or if you have kids, you can do this. Or recommend it to parents. Uh, ABC Scriptures. I don't know if my wife made it up. She found it on Pinterest. I don't know what she did. She's brilliant. What she did was she took A makes the what sound? Ass sound. And she picks a scripture to go along with that. So they learn not just how to, how to, how to lowercase a, uppercase a, a makes the ass sound, that sort of thing. Okay. B makes the b sound. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Okay. All right. Pick scriptures that go along with that. Very simple with preschool. My little one, Ariella, who I would say would be in preschool right now, she'll sit there. You can barely hear the words because she's rambling so fast. She's starting to say it. My second one, Eliza, who would be more about me of learning. I take a long time learning. My wife is learning. It takes me a lot longer to go through stuff. My daughter, Eliza, is repeating scripture, and I never thought she would because my wife just does it every night as we eat dinner together. What is the A sound? A sounds like this. Okay. B sound. B sounds this. And she's saying all this stuff. Very simple that you can use for every demographic. So it doesn't matter if you have older kids or younger kids. You're still teaching the basic stuff and giving up scripture that goes with it. So next time they're on their spelling test or they're writing out their A and they're writing out their B, they can think of, oh, believe in the Lord Jesus. The C stands for da-da. Okay. Right? Something like that. Really simple. Really, really easy. You can do at home. But guess what? You can do this to your parents. You know what that means? Hey, parents, guess what? Just write this out, and here's the scripture you're going to use. Here's, write the B, and this is what you're going to do. Really simple. If you're really creative, you can make little cards and send them home with your parents, little dots and stuff like that on it that I could never do. You can totally do that if you want to make it really fun for them to do. Okay? Um, so that's something you can do with that. Um, so learning, learning those different styles that can really help. All right. So... In, uh, in this Relational Children's Ministry book, um, he talks about a couple of different things in here. And one of the, one of the ideas that we want to do is we want lifelong learning with the kids. So classroom experience, like we're in right now and what I'm doing right now, this is one form of teaching. Unfortunately, we think this is discipleship. I talk to you, you retain the model, go do it. That's discipleship. That's not discipleship. That's me talking and you listening. Discipleship is you doing so classroom is discipleship. So when you're teaching your kids within the kids' ministry format, within your kids' churches, um, that's just one form of learning. Don't stop there. There's two other forms of learning. The next one is apprenticeship. Now, we don't get this as much within, within some parts of America, but if you have a trade like electrician or plumber or carpenter, you have to be an apprentice first. If you watch Star Wars, you have to be an apprentice before you are a Jedi, right? Yeah, right? Does that make sense? Star Wars fans, come on, bring it high. Amen. Jesus is there. Okay. Um, apprenticeship. 
You have to learn from the master. The master's going to teach you. The master's going to walk with you. The master's going to show you. The master's, you're going to do everything the master does because the master's going to say, you're in charge and go off and disciple someone else. Apprenticeship. You're doing that with the kids. You're walking life with them. You're talking to life with them. You're sending them cards. You're going to their school. You're going to their house. You're planning events for their families. You're doing things together. Why? Because you want to teach them the ways of God. You want to come alongside the parents and teach them the ways of God. And an immersion is basically just throwing them right in it. All right, we're going to go do something in the community. Let's go do it. We're going to go clean up. Hey, your mom and dad, they, their house is really messy because, well, you guys make it a mess. I know your mom would be really, really happy if we clean their house for them. So I, as the kids pastor, are going to go over to your house, and I'm going to tell your mom and dad, go on a date. I'm going to watch you, and we're going to clean their house for them. Immersion, throw them in it. What is it actually like to serve and actually take care of what's going on? Throw them in the mix of things. This becomes learning. So instead of one model, you got three different models, all helping lifelong learning that you want these kids to do. Um, if you're like, oh, that sounds a little weird, Nate. No, no, seriously. My kids love this YouTube Kids app. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? They will sit there, watch girls playing with dolls. And I'm like, play with your dolls. No, I like to watch this person play with this doll and watch this and have a candy review and watch Anya and Elsie out. All right, watching all this stuff, right? Well, what do they do? They're watching it, classroom experience. Now they apprentice by them doing it together, right? So my, sis, my one daughter brings in my other daughter and like, hey, let's play. And then they're immersing themselves into it, immersing themselves in by them actually doing what these videos have done. We do it all the time. Pretend play. Kids do it all the time when they watch movies or they sing the songs. Let it. See? Okay. You guys do it too. That's what I thought. All right? So this happens. So you immerse yourself in the area. So we want multiple kids to do that. So when it comes to learning styles, there's multiple different learning styles that you can do. And in the book, he has, he has got a graph very similar to this. And so the first one is this media emotion. So we want to engage. We want to have engagement models that leverage sensory participation. So we do this all the time. When it comes to worship, we stand up and move our hands. We have songs that are getting the kids moving or something like that. My wife's really, really good at this sort of thing. We want to show videos that, that promote this. Um, one of the things that I like to do when I was in Pennsylvania as a kids pastor is I, I gave like kids like a scripture verse, and I sent it home with their parents, and I had the kids videotape them actually acting out the story using whatever toy they wanted to use. And then their parents sent it to me. I edit it and threw it up. Hey, that's our Bible story for this Sunday. Created by one of your own. Okay? Use the phone to your leverage. Use, oh, your phones are horrible. Shut them off. We don't need that. You're so glued to that screen. Leverage it. Create your own things. If my kids love this YouTube Kids for app, watching kids play with other kids, have your kids start putting on Bible stories and put that on YouTube Kids. Just an idea. Use Mr. Potato Heads, use Mr. Potato Heads, use Barbies, use action figures, use whatever you want. Engage in this media that they're already so immersed in. It gets a little creative. And don't, like, give the kid the idea and then let them run with it. Don't, don't manage it. Don't be like, oh, it has to be like this. It has to be this short. It has to be that. Make sure you say this word. Let them, let them play with it. Let them have fun with it. And engage in the parents in, in that way. Next one is one of my favorite ones. It's a reflection response. Um, you want to use... The, um, the thinking model to emphasize character, for, uh, character formation and biblical transformation. So one of the things I like to do here with a lot of different age groups, with the older age groups, what I like to do is after we get done with our lesson, then I put on some nice slow music and I tell the kids, I want you to go anywhere in the room. I don't want you sitting. The only objection, the only two things that I have is you can't sit next to somebody and you can't be laughing and making jokes. That's it. Go find a quiet spot in this room that you can focus on God. Then I'll give them this piece of paper or a pencil, crayons or whatever, and I'll have them sit down and I'll play that music. And I was like, okay, we just talked through our lesson. Now, we just heard from Jesus. You heard from me. Now I want you to write down what is Jesus actually telling you? Oh, I don't know how to write. Draw a picture. What is Jesus telling you to draw a picture? Yeah, you're good. What is Jesus doing? I had a funny story. I had someone in chapel at Valley Forge. The phone went off, and one of the professors went, I better be Jesus calling. <laughs> it, was, it was funny. Yeah, you can use that in your churches if you want. Um, uh, so I'll have them think through it. Now, what I do this for the preschoolers, all those that are involved in the preschoolers, I love this. This is so much fun. You take the kids, and you sit them in a circle, you included, and you have a ball or some sort of object they hold, a bear, whatever you want to be. And you say, this is the prayer ball, or this is the prayer bear. 
And anytime who's holding this, I'm going to say ball, anybody who holds this ball, you get to talk, but everyone else has to listen. And we go around, and everyone shares one thing they want to pray about. So someone's like, I want to pray about my dog, or I want to pray about my sister, or I want to pray about why I didn't get the favorite mac and cheese that I wanted for dinner last night, and all this other things. Okay, it doesn't really matter, and some kids might go on long, long stories or whatever. It doesn't matter. They're voicing their concerns, and then once it makes it around to you, then you hold the ball again, and you're, you know, because some kids are going to want to talk or feed off and say, remember, whoever has the ball is the one talking. You have to listen. It's your turn. So what are you, you're teaching them how to show respect. You're holding the ball. And then you say, okay, now, normally I would pray, but I'm not going to do that. I want you to pray. I want you to talk to God, and I want you to tell God, hey, God, this happened. Make it better. Or, hey, God, I hate this mac and cheese. <laughs> Amen. Move on, okay? It's okay. We don't try to fix anything. We want the little, so that's what I do with that preschoolers. And we go around, and some kids close their eyes. Some kids keep their eyes wide open. Some kids just pray on forever and ever and ever and ever, and they don't stop, and you have to intervene, whatever. You're teaching them to talk to God. Why? Because we want them to hear and do. And part of hearing and doing is talking, is listening to God, creating that moment for them to talk to God. So I like to use that for, for the preschoolers. Uh, Drama and Discovery want participation models for their faith in action after encountering some sort of scripture. So some things that my wife and I do, um, we do, we do these different care puppet skits. Now, if you're in a kid's ministry form and you're like, hey, I'd love to have someone come in and do like a puppet skit or a training, you can just contact one of us and we'll just come to do it free. You don't even have to pay us. We'll just show up. I'm not getting paid by any church to say that. I'm just doing it because I love kids' ministry. Okay. And it's not like I have a brand new business, so you know I'm not raking in the money yet. So I'm doing it because I love God. Huh? You know what? My, my wife's parents are Randy and Kathy Trowbridge out in Delta. So yes, we will, because I go see my in-laws and have them take care of my kids, and my wife and I actually get a date. So yes, we will. All right. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, yes. Say what? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, we just have to take off, make sure we have our staff taken over. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, any, yeah, anything, anything you guys need. Um, so one of the things we do is we have different puppets. Now, a lot of what my Sharon and I, because Dick Gruber, we got a lot of old school stuff is we have puppets, and we teach kids how to use puppets, or we use puppets ourselves. We use drama to do that. So this guy's Bubba, and he does puppets, or he does this Bible story. So there's my wife, there's me, and we do a little puppet skit with this, with, with this puppet. Um, I have other puppets that we use, too. Um, one of the things I love doing is I love giving the kids the puppet and let them tell the Bible story or having me like tell the Bible story, and you make sure you say this. Now, this was something on a whim my wife wanted. I thought it was stupid. During the Lego movie during the Lego movie thing, she wanted Unikitty, and I just I couldn't do it. So we found this thing, and we found this. But let's see. Do I have the... I do. How freaky is that? No, no, it's not Power Rangers. It's Unicorn Horn. You can find it on Amazon, and you'll, you will just read the reviews... Oh, my gosh. There are people that swear their life was changed when they put this unicorn horn on their head. Rainbows and ponies all over the place. They're obviously lying, but if you want a really good laugh, do it. All right, so I'll put this thing on this, on this unit kitty, and his entire thing is that he needs to be something else that he's not. In order for him to be something more, he has to put something on so people notice him or think more important of him and that sort of So he's having an identity crisis here. And my wife's entire bit is to make sure, no, you don't. You're everything in Christ. You don't need to be different. You don't need to change. You don't need to do anything. Oh, yes, I do. And so he won't come up. The cat won't come up unless he has the horn on. And so she'll take the horn off saying, no, you don't. And I'll go, ah, and then I'll hide. And then she'll put the horn on. I'll come back up and try and teach the kids, like, you don't need special things, right? All right, so anyway, so, but I like to read some of the unicorn codes. So I'll just read a couple of these. All right. Unicorns don't talk to strangers. Unicorns are never late. Unicorns don't judge people. Unicorns always give 100%. Uni- this is the best one. Unicorns graze on peace and love. <laughs> Unicorns don't do drugs. So during the entire bit, I will read off the 10 code of the unicorn. And the kids will love it. They'll be like raised on peace and love. Blah, it's so funny. All right? There's stuff like that, all right? So look on Amazon, find some really freaky stuff, and then make it funny. Like, make it funny. Like this. Like, these people that wrote this, are, I, I hope they're pretending, because if not, they... Sorry. They need some help. 
All right, so use drama, get them up, use some discovery stuff, like pick some things out and have them like smell it or take, use the senses, sight, hear, sound, touch, engage the senses. It might create a little bit more work for you, but these are multiple learning styles that the kids can learn. And the last one is mind and memory. We, um, we teach and think the foundational biblical knowledge that leads to godly beliefs and actions. Now, be honest with you, the American education system hinders, uh, puts more more emphasis on the mind and memory than all the other ones, though education is doing a really good job trying to balance in and bring all those other things in. But the American church puts way too much weight on mind and memory, way too much weight. If you can't memorize it, you don't have your mind, you're not good enough. You can't memorize the whole books of the Bible, ooh, are you a Christian? You can't memorize John 3.16? We've been over it for like three years. Why can't you say it? These are things that we... We don't want kids to do, but we put so much weight on this. But the point of the mind and memory is not to make mind and memory knowledge king, which is one of the heresies of the New Testament, FYI, knowledge is king. If we put that as our main thing, then we miss all the other things too. But we want to leverage the mind and memory to help kids know, just don't put so much weight on it. We want them to know scripture. We want them to memorize scripture. We want them to know books of the Bible. We want them to know the basic stuff to help them live a godly life. But don't ignore the other ones. Allow the other ones to also infiltrate what you do. Even though your main thing is going to be, what do you do? You sit down in front of your computer and you type things out or you write things out. What are you doing? All from your mind, all from your memory, putting it down. It's more education like this, lecture style. Incorporate the other ones. Have fun with it. Allow the other ones to do it as well. Um, with this one, um, I love I love doing this. Has anybody seen this before? Me do this before? If you have, you can't say anything. Okay. If you if you haven't, this would be great. I need someone to come up here and trust me. I, you need to trust me. If you don't trust me, this is not going to work. I'll tell you that right now. All right. Not going to work. You want to trust me? All right. Come on. Let's go. Get up here. Give her a hand. Give her a hand. Wonderful. Awesome. All right. So, your name is? Brianna. Bree. Nice to meet you. My name is Nate. So, Bree, God has always brought my wife and I on a journey of trust, probably similar to you. Always trusting God to do certain things, always trusting God to do steps of faith, that sort of thing. But when God told us to leave our known, which was ministry, and step into the business world, I didn't know what I was doing. I don't have a business degree. I don't have a background. I don't know nothing. I thought I was going to die and get choked out of life. And I, I had, I literally had friends that started dissing themselves from me. I literally had pastors stop calling me and returning my text and returning my email because they thought I was crazy. My wife and I, for almost a year straight, felt so isolated from the kingdom of God because we were not doing church anymore. But God said, leave. God said, obey. God said, listen. And we had to do it, even though it was very, very hard. So this is a rat trap. In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to put your fingers right there and I'm going to let go. And I promise you, you're not going to get hurt. <laughs> I promise you. I promise you. Do you still trust me? Yes. Because, you know, when God tells us to do something crazy, we're looking at it. You know how Peter, Peter was in the boat, right? And Jesus called Peter out, and, and Peter looked at Jesus and said, okay, Jesus, I trust you, right? And Peter's walking out, Peter's walking out. He's like, it's so cool, I'm walking on water. And then all of a sudden, he looks at the waves. And what happens to Peter? Do you remember in the story? Starts to sink, right? Oh, God, or whatever, whatever. And what does Jesus do? He picks him up, looks at him. He's like, why don't you have faith? Why don't you believe me? Why don't you trust me? I have you. I have you. Don't, don't be afraid. Do you trust me? Do you? She, yes. does, she doesn't trust me. She doesn't trust me. You have health insurance, right? <laughs> All right, you ready? You ready? Oh, we have a medic? Fantastic. Awesome. All right, you might. Uh... Now, you have to trust me, Bray. Because if, if, even if your trust is just a little, like if it's not there, I, it's not going to work. You have to fully trust me. Because okay. that's what we do with God. If we really want to see God do something great, we fully have to trust him. Even if we had a, now we're going to have doubt in our mind, like you're probably right now, like God, I'm going to have problems with my fingers from this point forward. We're going to have, always have doubts in our mind. I understand that. And it's okay to have doubts because we're human beings. But allow the, the trust that God, of who he is, his faithfulness that we see in scripture all the time, of him being faithful, of leading this person out of bondage, being faithful to step in at this moment, being faithful to do this stuff, all right? We got to trust God. We're going to have doubts. That's okay. Yeah. But trust God. 
Trust me, you're not going to get hurt. Okay. But I need you to do what I'm telling you to do. Okay? You ready? All right, I want you to put your fingers right there, right at the edge. Come on. Come on, you can do it. Just put it down on there. Okay, good. Now move it in closer. It's not going to work. Move it in closer. 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 Okay, stop. Okay, that's a little too far. All right, right there. Good, good. Now, now flatten your fingers a little bit. Good, awesome. Okay, don't. Don't. Just don't. You have to trust me. Look at me. Look at me. You're not going to get hurt. I promise. I'm not. I've done this to my seven-year-old, and she's okay. She can't play the piano, but it's okay. All right, ready? Here we go. All right, you ready? All right, we're going to count down from three, all together. Now, you don't, don't. All right. Don't look. Just don't look. Ready? Actually, no, I want you to look. Ready? I should look. Okay, ready? Trust me. Ready? Three, two, no, don't, don't. See, I knew you were going to do that. I knew it. I knew it. You can't move your fingers. It's not going to work. All right. Three, two, one. Get your fingers on there. Didn't I tell you to trust me? Give her a hand. Good job. Good job. Good job. So she trusts me, and the trap did not hurt. Now, you want to know the secret? Boing, boing, nothing. Oh, yeah, right? Get a rat trap. It works best. Get a mouse trap. Not going to work really well. Um, it's going to be harder to remove that. So all the tension is placed on this bar. So when that bar comes down on it, it's going to, you know, it's going to flatten. You take that tension off, that pressure off. Life is simple and easy with God. Boing. All right. Trust. Use things to engage people. Look at your everyday stuff to engage the people in your life. You can do this about trust. You can do this about faith. You can do this whatever you want. Use a bunch of different things that you have. Look at, look at science stuff. Science has a bunch of cool chemicals and things that create whatever reaction that you want and that sort of thing. Allow that to happen. All right, we're going to skip that one. And I want to go real quick over this And because so, we've got a couple of minutes left. All right, so tips on creating a lesson. Um, when it comes to lesson planning, my wife and I pretty much do it ourselves. We don't follow curriculum. Now, the church I was at in, in Pennsylvania, as I was starting to transition out, I realized that whoever was going to take over may not be able to have the time or the understanding of how to create lessons. And so I moved us to more of a curriculum model. But the more and more I've been reading and living this out in a completely different way, I'm realizing, you know what? Curriculum does not know your kids. You are going to follow the curriculum, and you're going to be like, what is going on? Dick Gruber, who created most of the curriculum way back when, would tell people, use the curriculum as your guide, don't use it as your rule. He would tell people that because he understood, like I understand, like you just, yeah, they don't know your kids. They're going to do things differently. So that means you've got to allow the creative God to put into you the creativeness that you have within your life to be creative to your children to reach the kids that you're trying to reach and the partner with the parents you're trying to partner with. So this is how you do it. It's a process. This is going to take time, but you can do it, and you can grow using some of the methods and the models that are from this book. This is what you're going to do. Questions you're going to ask is, what has God been saying to you or showing you? Okay. What has he been telling you? What is he telling you now? What is he telling you in the head? What is he telling your church? What is he telling your community? What is God saying to you? So, do you mean, oh, you mean I have to sit down and look at my Bible and listen to God? Yeah. You mean I don't have to open up a curriculum that has everything for me? No, you don't have to do that anymore. You get to hear from God now because God has a message for your kids. You're like, whoa, Nate, that sounds like a lead pastor. Mm-hmm. You're a kid's pastor. Shouldn't you be hearing from God and telling the kids what God's saying, right? Yeah. Yeah, you should do this too. So this is basic stuff. But if you put this not just in your personal life but also in your kid's life, I guarantee you you're going to see God start doing some crazy stuff all because you took time to listen to your master and your leader to be discipled by him. Um, next, what are biblical truths come from what God is showing to you? So God is love. God is this. Uh, we want authenticity. We want honesty. We want, we want going out and re, um, talking to people. We, what do you want within those truths? And then you're finding passages that reflect that truth. So what is it? All right, I want my kids to learn to love everybody. Okay, so God so loved the world. That's everybody. That's, in, that's, that's, that's not an exclusive statement. That's not everyone in my church. He loves everybody, even my neighbors who, who are, whose parents are the same gender. It means everybody, okay? It means everybody. It sounds good, but God loves them too. 
There's no like, oh, one's better than, no, God loves everybody. So how do we do that? And then you ask the question, how is, the, is it the gospel-centered approach? Curriculum misses the ball on this. And um, this, is, this is my beef. You only get me fired up about kids' ministry. This is it. Jesus needs to be at the center, the hero, and the story of every single lesson you talk about every time. If not, you're teaching them how to be a good person. I can do that. I'm, I do that in my shop all the time. Hey, let's, we're going to go out and clean the 9-11 Responders Park in Hilliard. I'm, t- I'm helping people join me to be a good person. That's easy. It's another thing when I, make, when I, I want to have and show that Jesus is the center, is the, is the story of everything. So you're not trying to loop Jesus into everything. Jesus becomes everything, and everything goes from that. Jesus becomes the center. Make that the key because we want the children to be discipled by Jesus. That's the case. Keep the gospel as, at the center. And then next, now becomes the fun part. So what methods are you going to use? Don't start with your methods. Okay, I'm going to use a puppet. So what type of Bible story am I going to use with a puppet? I'm going to use this. What type of lesson are you going to No. Start with your overall, what is God telling you to do? What is God showing you to do? Is it gospel? It's gospel focused because why? Because Jesus said this or Jesus did this. This is why we're Christians, followers of Jesus, right? So what methods can we do that to help each other? How can I help the parents live this out? How can I help the community live this out? These are many different ways that you can use. This, it looks, looks intimidating in the beginning, but I guarantee you, once you get past number one, what has God been saying to you? I guarantee you there's going to be a fire inside of you that you barely, you may not have experienced before from the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be on fire, and you're going to feel kind of what lead pastors feel when they plan sermons. That same fire, that same same focus. Why? Because God's talking to you. And he's giving you a message for those kids. And he's giving you the, you the way to create connection with those parents and, and, the, and the community. He's giving that to you, and you get to live that out and teach the kids to hear from God and to do what he says. Because remember, you only have this much time with those kids. And we want this much time with those kids. The best way to maximize that is teach the kids to listen to Jesus, do what he says, and the only way that's going to happen, you have to do it first. You need to model it for their kids. So in a way, you're being discipled, your kids are being discipled, and now you all get to live on mission. That's what's cool about kids' ministry. That's the opportunity we get to have every time we work with kids and families, teaching them how to actually live this out. So no matter what happens, like my wife and I, leaving our place, our comfortable spot, to step out in this field that's very soon, it's putting the rubber in the meets the road, if this happens, regardless of isolation, regardless of shame, regardless of all this stuff, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm following this path that God has told me to go on. Why? Because he means more to me than this. That's what we want with our kids. We want them to be sold out to God. So how do we do that? We need to teach them how to listen to God first. And then from that, all your practical, your puppets, your stuff like that, build around to build it up so your kids learn from multiple different angles and multiple different methods and multiple different things. And then all kids can learn together at the same time. So, all right, so that's what I've got there. And we don't have enough time for i got like three minutes for questions. Um, two services, Don, we can talk about that. Um, mobile church, sorry. Mobile church, find a carpenter. That'll be your best thing. That's it. That's my word of advice for you. Um, that's it. I'm done. Um, two serv- um, when it comes to connecting with volunteers um, to help them um, to get into Gage, Take this model. I guarantee you it's going to work. It's going to be a little slower, but it's going to work. Pray. Perfect. Good, good. Yeah, I would say pray and ask God who, who he wants to serve in your kid's ministry and give them the option to hear from God because when they start hearing from God, I had uh, our church plant at Spring Valley was probably running 200 people or so, 300 people or so. When I left, I had a one-to-one ratio of kids and volunteers. How'd I do that? Did that. Heard from God. Hey, I've been praying. I think God might want you, but I'm not going to say I want you until God says you can come join me. So I want you to spend three days and pray about it. And then as they pray about it, they're like, you know what? I really felt like God said yes. What do they do? They said yes to God, so no matter what happens, they're not shaken. So things may not go their way. They're like, oh, man, Nate recruited me. Man, he's not doing well, or I don't like how this goes. I'm done. See you later. I'm exhausted. It's like, no, 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 no. God told you to join. 
So you need to rectify that with your Lord and Savior who rectified that with you. It was so cool. Most faithful people in the world, all because they listened to God and they obeyed him, all by doing something simple. Now, it took a while. It took a year, year and a half for me to build that up, to get that there. But it was really cool because these people were solely dedicated because they're like, they said, God told me to do this. And God told me to go serve in the nursery. God told me to serve in the preschool. God told me to go serve in elementary. God told me to go to over here, over here, over here. Instead of me going, hey, I think you'd be great here. I say, well, you know our needs. God knows my needs better than I do. He knows what's going to happen before I know what's going to happen. So what is God telling you where you should go? Because chances are, if he's telling you to go there, something's going to happen there that he needs you there. He's already got it planned. And you're going to thrive there. You're going to grow there. You're going to expound there. You're going to blow up there. That's what I want to happen. And that's what happened. It was cool. At a one-to-one ratio, it's very rare to have. All because I just let people hear from God. It was really, really cool. Um, sorry I couldn't get through all the questions. Let me pray for you guys real quick one last time. And if you have any questions, we can talk about it later. I think it's lunchtime, I think. Right? Is it lunch? Yes. All right, let me pray. God, thank you for this time and this opportunity that we were able to get together and hear from you. And God, now I pray they can do what you've asked them to do. God, give them the uh, strength and the wisdom. And God, I pray in this room as they leave, I pray they can connect with each other. I pray that they can um, be in relationship with each other and know that we're all together on the same team. We're all on the same mission, God, to reach people for you, to We want them to hear from you and do what they say because, God, our world is going down the tube so very fast. And, God, you're calling up a different idea of how we do life. And that's life of hearing from you and doing what you're saying. And, God, if we can put that within the minds of our children, then our kids can reach anybody, anybody, the way you want them to be reached, not the way I want them to be reached. So, God, give these kids leaders, these kids pastors, these these leaders, God, give them the wisdom they need to reach these children for you. Because, God, you can do it because you are king and you said you will build your church and you call us to serve alongside. In your name, amen. All right, thank you guys very much. Have the good rest of your day. I'll see you at the coffee spot if you like coffee.